Prologue Alan Cranston held the document in his hand. There was more proof on it than he wanted to believe. It read, The blood on the Shroud of Turin has been sufficiently tested and has been proven to be real. Type AB, human male blood. Tested in Turin and confirmed in the U.S. This blood type is rare. Blood chemists found a high concentration of the pigment bellyrubin, consistent with someone dying under great stress or trauma and making the color more red than normal ancient blood. A Texas Health Science Center found X and Y chromosomes, representing male blood, and approximately 70 base pairs of degraded DNA, consistent with the supposition of ancient blood. Many Bible students believe this shroud was placed over Jesus when his dead body was placed in the tomb. The marks on the shroud occurred when Jesus rose from the dead with dynamite power right through the cloth. Crankston needed facts. He would find him a man to go in search of the truth behind the shroud. Daniel de Benedito would be his man. Chapter 1 the Fresno campus of California State University was practically barren due to spring break. There were only a skeleton crew, including the assistant to the university president, Alan Crankston. Crankston was handling a maintenance problem and was gone from his office for some time. That would have been all right except for the fact that he had a visitor. The office was decorated in cardinal and blue, the school colors. There were banners and various sports balls signed by the entire team and the prospective coaches. There was a ceiling-high bookshelf beside the desk, which was filled with autographed copies of books written by alumni. The desk was old and made of maple wood. There were scratches and nicks all over the antique. The desk was cluttered with papers and paper clips. The round pencil holder held several pens and pencils with the school's logo on them. The blinds were open just enough to let the morning sun brighten the normally dimly lit office. Dust particles could be seen within the only rays of light coming in. Crankston's leather office chair was a constant reminder to his visitor of how late the president's assistant was in returning. The chairs for the guests were cushioned, but uncomfortable nonetheless. The visitor fidgeted impatiently and sighed loudly again. He is used to getting what he wanted, when he wanted it. He used his six-foot frame to intimidate those smaller than he was. He was in amazing physical shape to impress the ladies. His blonde hair and blue eyes were the icing on the cake. His nails were completely manicured to add to his grooming. His appearance was everything to him. That's also how he judged people. The only sound in the office was the constant drumming of his fingers on the top of the desk. As his frustration increased, so did his drumming. The sighing slowly turned into low groans. As the door opened, the visitor exhaled as loudly as he sighed. Finally, he exclaimed, with a mixture of sarcasm and vigor. A middle-aged man reluctantly entered the room without making eye contact. His expression was solemn as he pushed the wire-rimmed glasses up on his nose. Alan Crankston had black greased hair with gray on the sides. He was clean-shaven, and the hands of someone who had done manual labor all of his life. His green eyes usually sparkled when he smiled. He wasn't smiling. Mr. De Benedito, how are you? 
He sat down in his leather chair and finally made eye contact. The visitor rolled his eyes and huffed. How am I? Come on, chief. I've been here for an hour and a half, he frowned. What's the deal with calling me by my last name? Crankston took a breath and remained calm. Daniel, I can't understand what would bring you back so soon after you graduated. He studied his face. How are your parents? You know how my parents are, Daniel said, gritting his teeth. They cut me off. My richer-than-you-know-what parents can't afford to keep me in Porsches and Armini. Crankston narrowed his eyes at Daniel. I was asking about their health. What happens between you and... Is your problem, Daniel interrupted. You and my father go way back, Alan. I figure you owe me because of it. 